0: Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our Soquel location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services.
1: Well, we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, any Sunday that you come we, we, and hang out with us, and we get to hang out with you, we're super But today, we're especially stoked. We have some special guests who are going to be sharing the scriptures with us, opening up the Bible. And if this is your first time to church, um, if you're new to this whole thing, what we're going to do in this next section is we're going to open up the Bible, and we're going we're gonna to look at some truths that God has for us, and we believe that apply directly to your life. And so today, we get to have Matt and Heidi Messner. Now, Matt and Heidi, we've only just met Matt and Heidi, and I love them already. Like, I want them to be my best friends. And, um, and so they're, they're, they're longtime friends of Hope Church and, and Pastor Danny and Jenny, and so we're so stoked to have them here today. So I want to tell you just a little bit about them before they come up, just so you're like, who are these people? You, you know, a little bit of what's happening with them. So they've been married for 32 years. Yeah, they have two daughters. They have a granddaughter huh how many of you are, are grandparents you're like yeah you can you know and they have a granddaughter on the way and so they're in a great great stage of life so the hard thing about introducing matt and heidi is that they're it's it's probably easier for me to tell you what they're not than what they are so they're like authors pastors leaders coaches consultants um you know, you name it. Uh, they, they just they have so many things that God has allowed them to do. One, one quick thing about, about Matt, he, um, he uh, was in the Olympic trials for long distance running in 1996 and in 2000. So he's a surfer, too. So, you know, gave, we'll give him some props for being a surfer. And um, much more meaningful, though, Heidi um, actually started and, and, and still runs a, um, an organization involved in the fight against human trafficking. And so pastor, leader in her own right, and we're stoked to have them both. So why don't we welcome Matt and Heidi up. Thanks for coming, you guys.
2: Oh,
3: good morning. I'll scoot this over a little bit in the middle here. I'm going to turn on my mic. Yeah. Wow, it's, it's so good to be here. Uh-oh.
2: And we even practiced that before to make sure that wouldn't happen. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, you guys are great. Would you just give a hand, actually, to your team that is back here? Because they work hard every week, and when they get everything right, no one even knows. But when they get something wrong, everyone turns around and looks at them. So, (laughs) well, we just sang that song about God being faithful to the end. So let me ask you a question. What has been the best season of your life? Think about it for a moment. Was it falling in love? Maybe holding your first child or your first grandchild? Graduation, maybe retirement, maybe it was your salvation. But what was the worst season of your life? That one's harder. have some of those memories. Maybe it was (laughs) 2020.
3: I think for a lot of people, they're like, yeah, that was it.
2: Or the mortgage crisis of 2010. That might've been really tough or 20, it was more like 2008, I think, for most of the Sorry. country. <laughs> Only Seattle <It> was 2010. <laughs> well, when our, a, a family member left, like a, a parent, how about that? Or a divorce or a death. Those things can really define our lives. They can define the direction of our life as well. But what truly defines your life? Today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what God is doing right now and embrace what he is doing, because he's doing something new. But we can be held up sometimes by the past, or whether it's good things or bad things, sometimes those things can actually hinder our paying attention to what God's doing now. And so before we do anything else, I want to just say thank you for having us here today. Thank you to Danny and Jenny and so many of our friends we actually have good deep friendships in this area Um, Scott and Tamara Kleinman are some very very deep close friends of ours who are also a part of this area and We have many many friends here. So yeah, it's been good being
3: here. It's a great place you live right Santa Cruz and in fact yeah, yesterday we got to go play some disc golf at De La Vega, <laughs> which is where you're having your church picnic, right? Like in a week, so my arm's a little sore from that, though. Right <laughs> um, we did bring a couple books I just want to uh, offer to you. We do have them over at the Connect table as you go today. And if you um, study leadership, uh, you'd probably appreciate this one called Friendship Leadership that I was able to co-write. And it goes beyond servant leadership. If we follow the example of Jesus, he didn't just serve people, he loved people. But as a leader, how do you love people? Sometimes that can be a little (laughs) bit tricky and to lead well. So that's what this is all about. And then we also have a devotional book called Ascend. So if you like adventure, you know, life is meant to be an adventure. These are all true stories that are devotionals. So you can pick those up after the service at the Connect table. But as Heidi was saying, sometimes people get stuck in the past. Whether it was good things or bad things. Some people wish they could go back to the good old days as they once were. And some people are just kind of stuck in the trauma of the past. Mm -hmm. But God is always doing something new and is always calling us forward into the future. And for us right now, we're in a transitional time in our life. You know, after 12 years in Eureka pastoring a really dynamic church, we loved it. We loved the people. We loved the community. But we know that now we're entering into a new season with our kids having kids We've had to let go of that because when you're following the Lord, what he wants is what's most important. In fact, we have a picture, I think, of our one granddaughter. I don't know if they put it up there or if you guys got it. But if you do, there she is. See, she's pretty cute. So
0: they (laughs) live in Seattle.
3: We live in Eureka. That's too far away. So we're going to end up closer to our kids.
2: Well, our resignation from the church in Eureka actually has opportunity as well. It's provided us this opportunity to travel. I oversee churches for Foursquare as a regional pastor. So I oversee churches in Northern California, in Utah, and Nevada. Um, and that has been interesting to do when you're pastoring a church full-time. And so it has been great for us to travel to visit each of these churches. Well, not all of them. It's over 50 churches. as a lot. to to visit. But we visited with all the leaders and made connections, and it's just been an amazing season. Mm -hmm. And when God completes one season of our life, he always has another. He completes a a season or an assignment, but he always has another plan for us, another season. But each season always has its challenges as well, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, and I know we've talked a lot about it over the last months and even the last two years, but these these recent season that we've all been through together has been challenging for all of us. Mm-hmm. There's never a dull moment. Yeah. You kind of wonder what's next, what's right yeah. around the corner. And uh, so life isn't easy. We face challenges and a lot of change.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Even in a beautiful place like this, right? <laughs> it doesn't mean it's perfect. And in the midst of high gas prices and upheaval and personal struggles, many people Face life with a lot of fear, fear over the future, fear even from what you've experienced in the past. And yet we have something that goes beyond that. We have a hope because God sees us, he knows us, and he cares about us. He's going to guide us. He's going to nurture us and instruct us in the way we should go, the Bible says. And so what is God saying? He's not finished with you. He's not finished with me yet. So what is he saying to you right now? What is he saying to his church? Because that's something we need to pay attention to. to. And so today, we're going to look at a passage in the second smallest book of the Old Testament. We're looking at the book of Haggai. Now, Haggai was a man who lived through some pretty terrible times.
3: Yeah, he had experienced firsthand the invasion of his country by a foreign Army. Imagine what that would be like. You know, I don't think any of us have lived through that. But even like what Ukraine has been through recently. I mean, Israel was invaded by this powerful army from Babylon, and the Babylonian armies marched across their country with their sights set on Jerusalem. And when they got to Jerusalem, Jerusalem was a walled, fortified city at that time. And they laid siege to it, which means they surrounded it, not letting anybody in and out, and were just basically waiting for the people to starve to death. And after the siege went on for a long time with tremendous suffering, they finally breached the walls. They came into the city, killed countless men, women, children, went to the temple, which was Solomon's temple, destroyed it, took the treasury of the nation out of the temple... This represented the very place where the presence of God was found, was at this temple. It was shocking. It was horrific. Uh, It was traumatizing for all those who lived through that, the fear, the grief, the disappointment would have exceeded, I think, any of our own experiences.
2: Yeah. And they were like Matt said, grieving and traumatized by this violence, by the loss of loved ones in their lives. What they experienced was unimaginable, unimaginable, but those who survived were carried away. They were held in captivity in what is now known as modern day Iraq. And approximately 70 years later, as a result of a proclamation actually by King Cyrus, the Persian, Israel is now allowed to return from Babylon to her homeland. And this is under the spiritual guidance of Joshua the high priest and under the civil leadership of a man named Zerubbabel. And so about 50,000 Jews return, including Haggai. Now, they have no money They are starting life completely over. Like, they have nothing. Remember, they were, like, taken away as slaves. They began rebuilding the temple, thinking, yes, we need to bring God's presence back into this place. But then opposition from the neighboring countries and indifference by some of the Jews around them, that created some discouragement for them, and they just ceased their work. They didn't know what else to do, so they just quit. They just left the temple in shambles.
3: And so God wanted to get their attention, get them back on track, so God begins to speak to them through this prophet Haggai. He was called to bring hope and motivation to those who were unmotivated, those who were discouraged. And God is in the constant process, I believe, of renewing our lives. He's always doing something new in the moment. He wants to do something new in us and through us both. And so I believe that Haggai's message to his people also speaks to us on how to accomplish this new work. He's about to do a new work. It involves you. It involves me. It's actually already starting.
2: So God provides these instructions. First of all, in Haggai 1.5, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. He actually repeats this same instruction again later in that chapter in verse 7. Give careful attention to your ways. Give careful thought. So pay attention to, consider everything you do. Consider all you do where will your path lead you if you continue with what you are currently doing right now? What is the end result? What happens with that? Where's your focus, your time, your attention? What's the first thing you think about in the morning? What's the last thing you do before you go to bed? These are all things that impact our future, impact the way we move through our lives. Social media, TikTok feed, Instagram, thought of the day. Is that how we start it? Self-reflection, maybe some yoga, escapism through shows, music, books, games, the waves. None of these are bad. (laughs) None of them are bad. They're not immoral. They're amoral. But the attention, the time, and energy we give to things can lead us if we're not careful to idol where we make them more important than God in our lives. And apparently, what happens, well, anything we have, actually, anything we have, anything we do, anyone we esteem, can become a small g God in our lives, a miniature, a substitute of the one true God. So pay attention, he's saying. Pay attention, consider everything you do for where will it lead you.
3: Yeah, don't live life accidentally, right? Be purposeful and focus on his will. Be about God's ways, not your own, is really Mm -hmm. what he's saying. And the Christian life is one of surrender. And for the past few months, Heidi and I have been able to travel more than we've ever been because we've been in this transitional period. It won't last forever. But it's interesting because as we've been traveling around, we've met people who just travel, like they're retired people. And pretty much that's all they do. (laughs) And there have been times in my life where I thought, wouldn't that be fun? Just begin the van life, right? Get the sprinter (laughs) van, travel around, surf, you know, just live for myself, basically. You know, but that doesn't bring happiness. That doesn't bring joy. Mm -hmm. God has a greater purpose Mm -hmm. for us. And even though I have a lot of hobbies and really enjoy life, I think the one thing that's helped me be about God's way is not my own more than anything else is understanding that he's not just another thing that I do. God's not just Mm -hmm. one of many things I do. In fact, he's the center of all that Mm -hmm. I do. And if you can make him the center of those things that you love, yeah. not just another thing on a long list of priorities, make it, take him off the priority list and put him in the center of your life mm-hmm. and put everything else around him. To me, that's being about God's ways. And then to surrender to him, to hold on to all those mm-hmm. things very lightly.
2: Yeah. So Haggai 2, this is where we're really going to look today. And we're going to begin in verse 1 of that book. And if you can't find it, That's okay. I think it's going to be on the screen for you. But you can find it pretty easy on your app or your phone. If not, maybe you have like one of those tabs on your Bible that you can flip to. (laughs) But it says this, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. He said, speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, to Joshua, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people then here's the key verse, ask them who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? You see, Solomon's temple was one of the great wonders of the world and the Israelites were attempting to rebuild this magnificent building. And some of the older people who had been there back in the day were really disappointed with the new work being done they're like this is not what the temple used to look like like back in my day do you remember back in your day yeah and nowadays people
3: people always a lot of the pastors i talk to and people i talked to are like you know before covid it was like this do you remember it was like before covid the churches were all it's full. Awesome. people all got along well with each other there was no political division Gas prices were lower, the economy was strong, everyone was happy, nobody ever got (laughs) sick. Wasn't really that amazing. (laughs) But we have this tendency, though, I mean, I've been guilty of this too, of of looking back to how it once was and using that kind of as the standard or the gauge of what could be today or tomorrow or in the future. And I think this passage is speaking
2: to that. You know, don't Mm -hmm. just be looking Mm -hmm. back.
3: How about you, Heidi?
2: If you were looking
3: back in the day, what was your life like?
2: I actually grew up on the mission field, and it was in the early 70s, and I was just four years old when my parents, who were just 21, sold everything they had. They packed up suitcases, and my two brothers and I, who were all under five, and we flew across the waters as the first Americans to work with a man named Brother Andrew. And what we did was we smuggled Bibles into Eastern Europe that was all during the cold war when it was illegal to have bibles and we traveled in vans actually with secret compartments called gizlies that's what we called them
3: it's a turkish
2: word it is a turkish word secret place, secret place. <laughs> and we actually we hid bibles in seats in these gizlies or maybe in the walls it depended on the particular vehicle we were traveling in we would pray for god's direction hoping Of course, we couldn't have any addresses on us, right? That could be incriminating. So hoping that if we found a house and knocked on the door, that it would be someone who wanted a Bible and not someone who wanted to arrest us for doing something illegal.
3: Did you even know your name? I
2: know. (laughs) So we actually had code names. Um, I didn't know my parents' names or our last name until we got back to the United States, but we lived all over these countries, you know, we lived in these vehicles, and we were always knew that prison was a possibility. We actually had friends who were thrown in prison, but we were in Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan and Yugoslavia. Yes, that is how you say it, Iran, not Iran. I don't know where you ran, but what? <laughs> <laughs> um, Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, Romania, Turkey, Russia, 23 countries in all before we returned to the United States, but was by. Bible smuggling the whole of my life? Was it the whole purpose of my life? No. It was a season of my life. It impacted my life. But we ended up actually eventually moving to India for a while and planting some house churches with another organization called Operation Mobilization, and then we moved back to the United States where my parents planted a church in Eugene, Oregon. So there are seasons of our life where God takes us through and what he wants to do in that season is unique. It is specific to his call.
3: Yeah, and so Haggai's first point is to warn them against comparing the new thing to the old. Do not compare the present to the past. And some of, we all have some great memories from the past, memories that we may treasure. We can thank God for those things. But we want to focus on the reality of the present. Mm -hmm. Some of you could look all the way back to something called the Jesus Movement. You're like, man, (laughs) things were so great back then. People were coming to Christ. (laughs) It was like this revival that was going on. Praise God for that. But what's he doing today? What's he doing right now? We want to join in that work.
2: Yeah. God cares about this season right now. He cares what happened this last week for you. You might have to deal with some consequences over the last week's decisions. Mm -hmm. But you can't go back in time, right? We can't go back. It does no good to pine over the past. It does no good to live in shame or guilt over the past. The old, that only keeps us stuck. It doesn't move us forward. It also doesn't help to worry, to spend all our time thinking or planning for the future. Because this merely keeps us from paying attention and enjoying what's happening right now. So it's important to pay attention, to be about God's ways, to live in the present today.
3: Yeah, and then going on further in verse 4, this is what the Lord is speaking. Be now, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you people in the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord. This is what I covenanted. This is what I promised with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So he gives them a whole bunch of encouraging words. Mm-hmm. What's God doing right now to strengthen you and to strengthen his church? And he calls out the civic leaders. He calls out the religious leaders. And then he calls out all people.
2: Yeah. And he's, he's giving some specific instructions. So lo- let's look at that. The first thing he says is he says, I am with you. That's important. First and foremost, to recognize, I am with you. God is with you. Mm -hmm. What happens when we actually recognize God is with us? There have been times in my life where I I questioned that. Is God with me? Particularly when I didn't feel his Mm -hmm. presence. I felt like he had abandoned me. Anyone else ever feel that way? Mm Two weeks after I had my second child, we moved from Santa Barbara, California to Coos Bay, Oregon, which is where my husband grew up. And the stress and the changes in the environment and the weather.
3: from Santa Barbara to Coos Bay. Yeah,
2: quite (laughs) different. My personal heaven to my personal hell. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, She's not kidding. Not kidding. (laughs) But the next few years, my health began to deteriorate. The, new, the next few years, I experienced all kinds of struggle, and doctors couldn't help, and I felt trapped in my body. I felt tortured in my mind and in my thoughts, and I loved Jesus, but I wondered if he had left me, if this place was not really abandoned by God, but not just this place, but me. And I was depressed, I battled suicidal thoughts, Every time I got in a car, I wanted to just like go right off that cliff over there. I think some of you can experience, have experienced that, experience those same things. But the fact of his love, his presence, not the feelings of them, that is what I had to depend on. The fact of his love, not the feelings not what I was experiencing. And when I began to settle into that fact, I began to rest and trust, to accept. My mental health began to improve. And it led, actually, to some answers with my physical health and what was happening. He is with me. When we recognize that truth, it is transformational in our lives.
3: Yeah, and I think that's really important what you said. We, we have to recognize god for who he is not for what we're feeling Mm -hmm. because god is omnipresent which means he's always present i know a lot of christians who want to go experience the presence of god somewhere or in some service or in you know by doing certain things but if you want to experience his presence he's always there Mm -hmm. it's just our awareness of his presence seems to shift but it doesn't mm-hmm. change the fact that he is always, omnipresence yeah. is one of the attributes of God.
2: Run to his word.
3: <laughs> yeah. And then the next thing he says to them over and over again, he says, be strong, be strong, be strong. Why would he tell them to be strong? Probably because they felt kind of weak. Mm-hmm. You know, there's those times when we're weak and we need that encouragement. Uh, as, as Tim introduced me, he, he mentioned that I ran marathons for several years. I ran the wharf to wharf once, once upon a time, way back. In the day, I was a great memory as I've been around this, this area, but one year I went to Boston, and I was able to go to the Boston Marathon, which is the great marathon in the world, really, the oldest and most prestigious, and I was able to go there as an invited athlete, which I was shocked, but you can kind of send your resume in to the race director, and they have a budget for bringing athletes in, and I actually got to go to Boston have my way paid, They put us up in a nice hotel. But I'm there with like Olympic champions, world record holders. The Africans, the Kenyans, and the Ethiopians are there. So I felt like an imposter, but I was really enjoying the experience. And I was hoping to run a two-hour and 20-minute marathon. It's 26.2 miles. That was my goal, which puts me like with the top women in the world. So it's kind of fun. I can watch watch them run firsthand. And so as I'm running through uh, the Boston Marathon on pace, 20 mile mark, there's something invisible, an invisible barrier. Anybody know what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> the wall, <laughs> right? <laughs> if only marathons were only 20 miles long. But uh, that's where you, your body begins to break down. You can tap out your reserves. Perhaps you were over the anaerobic threshold for too long and things start going south. Well, in Boston, you hit the heartbreak hill too, right about the 20 mile mark. And so it was a hot day and I was dehydrated, unfortunately. And I start going through Heartbreak Hill and my hamstring turns into a knot. My entire hamstring just bam. You ever have that happen? You can't run when your hamstring's in a knot. So I stop in my tracks, grab my hamstring, and there are crowds. There's like literally a couple million people who watch the Boston Marathon. It's the largest spectator event in the world because of the crowds that line that course. And um, I'm standing there in front of all these people just like walking, stopping, walking. And finally somebody cheers, and they start going like, be strong, you can do it. And I was like... I, I don't know, I just, I started walking and limping, and then other people started cheering. Pretty soon, everyone's clapping for me. I was kind of embarrassed, but at the same time, it was motivating. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm going, and I'm like, all right, and pretty soon, everyone's cheering, and I start going again. That cramp goes away. Struggled through those last six miles, but I wonder how often we just need to hear the Lord say that to us, Amen. be strong. We need, hear, we need to hear that from others. Yeah. You know, because we derive strength, Mm -hmm. not just from ourselves. We need that strength from outside of ourselves. So if you feel like you've hit the wall, hear the Lord today. He's saying, Mm -hmm. you can do it. Be strong.
2: You can do it. Yeah. And he's saying, be strong. And then he goes on to say, get to work. Get to work. Don't just stand there hoping it goes away. Start moving
3: this part of this passage really got my attention because coming out of covid a lot of people were like not going back to work i'm like this is the lord saying get back to work people let's get back to work
2: yeah but you know, we have to be strong and get back to work. And the people were hindered at this in this story. They had stopped working on the temple. They were tired. They had been mocked. They were threatened. They were discouraged. They, they didn't know what to do. So they just quit. They gave up. Do you ever feel that way? Maybe you feel that way right now. And God's saying, don't give up. Get back to work. Some people, like Matt said, stopped working during COVID, stopped volunteering, stopped serving. But now God is saying, like, it's time to get back to work. Did you know that work was a part of our task in the Garden of Eden before sin? Prior to sin, read it. We were called to work. There's something in us that was built into us to need to work, to need purpose. And when we don't have purpose, we experience a lack of hope. And what does hopelessness do? It actually tortures us. It leads to anxiety and depression, divorce, suicide, homelessness. Hopelessness leads to these things. But didn't you know, don't they have it all like They have everything. They have their country back. They have all these things. Whatever we say, we can come up with these ideas. But the reality is, they lacked hope. They lacked purpose. Meaningful activity fills you up, and our lives begin to improve when we have meaningful purpose. How does that play out in your life, in your marriage, as a single person, as an employee, as a boss, as a student? The Bible says, if you don't know what to do, the very foundation of everything is love. How are you loving God and how are you loving the people around you? So do that. Work hard at love and other things will fall into place.
3: And the temple wasn't going to rebuild itself. So people had to get to work then. Yeah. In the same way, what Jesus wants to do in his church today, it's not going to happen yeah. without our participation. What's he calling you to do? And this isn't an appeal to volunteer in the <laughs> church as in a building with walls. It could be that. But for me as a pastor, I spend, spend all my time in churches or most of it. And I felt like for me, ministry was getting outside the church. Yeah and in giving my work to our community in a different way. So several years ago, I started coaching high school. It was like something I had prayed about. And I said, Lord, if you want me to get involved in school as a coach, they'll have to ask me to do it. Someone will have to ask me to do it. I mean, we were empty nesters. It was just Heidi and I in the church. Anyway, to make a long story short, they needed a coach at our local high school. I started coaching cross-country and track. I've got a picture of, yeah, this is one of the teams I coached. And there was like hardly anything that's been more rewarding in my life than coaching these last seven years. Yeah. And even though I had, we had no agenda of evangelizing these kids or proselytizing these kids, it was all about just loving them mm-hmm. and just coaching them. But many of them came to Christ, Uh, We baptized many of them, discipled many of them. It's just been an amazing experience. And I just put that out there because ministry isn't what happens here. Ministry is what happens outside the walls of the church. It's meeting needs in Jesus' name. Whatever those Mm -hmm. needs might be, when you do it with a heart for God and a heart for people, that's where ministry happens.
2: Yeah. And we don't do ministry alone because the Bible says that my spirit remains within you, right? That's what he says here. My spirit remains within you recognize the Holy Spirit we are called to do what Jesus did doing things in his name to see lives transformed to impact eternity how can we do that without submission to the power of the Holy Spirit I mean how we can't do that in our own works we can try we can attempt and we'll get worn out and tired and burned out But when we do it, when we submit to that power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that very power that raised Jesus from the dead Mm -hmm. is in you, is in me. And we can live in confidence as we move into that truth, as we live in that truth in our world. And that is powerful. That changes the world around us and the world in the future for eternity.
3: And he says in here, again, tells the people, do not fear. Yeah. They say that the, the phrase, do not fear, is in the Bible 365 times. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never literally counted it myself. <laughs> but the, the thought is, is that it's there for every day. We need to hear the Lord say, do yeah. not fear. Yeah. And it comes up here over and over again. Perfect love yeah. casts out fear. So just hear that. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes when, when the Lord says, do not fear, I don't think it's a denial of that emotion But it's a challenge to work through it, to keep going forward even when you feel it. Well, let's go to where this passage concludes, Mm -hmm. verses 6 through 9. The Lord says, in a little while, and this is what's so exciting. This is what the Lord's trying to get them towards. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I'm going to shake all the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And the glory of this present house, this one that people were criticizing, this one that people weren't impressed by, the Lord says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Yeah. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares mm-hmm. the Lord Almighty.
2: He's saying, here's what you can expect. I am going to be shaking things up. He is still shaking things up, isn't he? As we've traveled around, we are realizing that he is shaking and sifting the church. He is shaking and sifting the church. And who is going to remain? Who is going to be standing? Who is going to be committed to God? God is shaking things up, but Jesus is going to show up, and he's going to fill us with his glory, he said. Well, what does that even mean? I mean, glory is not a word that's supposed to be in some, you know, stained glass windows and religious building. Like, that's not what it is. Glory literally means the visible evidence of the invisible God on this earth. The evidence, right, of him, the visible evidence. How does that happen? Well, God tells us the glory of this present house, this smaller one that they're building, it'll be greater than that former house, Solomon's building. What? This temple was never as magnificent outwardly as Solomon's temple. The prophecy, though, isn't about a building. It's about something else entirely. It is about us, the church. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The glory of God, the visible evidence of him on this earth, occurs through us. We reflect him as that evidence in our world. And as we are being changed from him, by him, that glory becomes more and more visible in our world. We have more evidence of him in our lives, and the world also sees that. It's reflected into our world. We fulfill this prophecy that was way back then of the greater temple of God. This is our calling. It's our purpose, the purpose of God's temple, his church, you, and me.
3: Yeah, the exciting thing is, is that as a Christian, whether you, you're just getting started, whether you're just now getting to know the Lord or whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, we still have room to grow, a lot of room to grow. Mm -hmm. And so God wants to transform us. God is doing a greater work. Are you ready? That's really our message. God wants to do a greater work in you in this next season of Mm -hmm. your life. Don't get Mm -hmm. stuck in the past, whether it was good or bad. Let's keep going forward.
2: Yeah. Did we learn the lessons that he wanted us to learn during this last season so that we will have those tools to go into our future? of what he has for us
0: today. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info@discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.